Hey, it's Jeff. This is a bonus episode of Let's Talk About Sets. That means I recorded it before Harrison became the permanent co-host. It took me some time to figure out the structure and the technicals of the show, and Sandeep Sen helped me out with that. He's a good friend and a fantastic comic, and I think these bonus episodes are funny. I think they're engaging, and you cannot beat the price you paid for them. Enjoy. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That's right. Remix. All right, guys. Welcome to the Let's Talk About Sets podcast, the podcast where we break down comedian sets. I am Sandeep Sen. With me is Jeff McBride. This guy. Today, we'll be hearing fr- bits from John Mulaney and Brian Regan, and our guest today, comedian Kevin Frolix. You know Kevin from his monthly sketch show at the Creek in the Cave in New York with our very own Jeff McBride called Clip Show where the sketches are clips from fake TV shows. You also know him from his podcast, Let's Read Together, a podcast where they review a book that they haven't actually read. So listen to it if you want to laugh, but not if you're preparing a book report. You can see him Thursday, May 12th at 7.30 p.m. at Halliards in Brooklyn for the Let's Read Together roast of Ernest Hemingway because, let's face it, that guy had it coming. He's also working on a Lewis and Clark musical. Kevin, welcome. Hey, thank you for having me. All right. Uh, you can also find his album for free on his website, kfcomedy.com. KF Comedy. KF Kentucky Fried Comedy. That's right. Dot com. Ooh. Yeah. Tasty, but not that good for you. No, no. Except for the free album jokes I don't really do anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and a secret blend of herbs and spices. <laughs> so, uh, all right. Well, um, let's, uh, uh, let's get started with just a little bit of get to know Kevin. Right. Hi, Kevin. Hi. Hey. How are you guys? Thank how you are for you? having me. How are you? I'm 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 fantastic. How are you? Excellent. Good. Uh, Jeff, how are you? Great. Okay, I feel like everybody <laughs> has a pretty good understanding of who Kevin is. Cool. Okay, let's move on. Okay. Uh, that's enough about Kevin. Great. This will be a 10-minute podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Greetings right. are enough. Yeah. Kevin, it's you, you you got a lot going on. That was a that was a pretty fun intro list to read I, actually. I uh I've I've been getting kind of uh I've 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 been casting a lot of lines lately, and uh, I did not realize how much I had going on until you said, well, what do you have going on? What can we promote? And I was like, I'm doing too many things, but here they all are. (laughs) That's good. You didn't realize how successful you were until I just told you what you were doing. Well, yeah, you know, you know how it is where you're you're doing a lot of things and maybe you've got a lot on your plate, but you don't feel like you're doing enough, you know, being a comedian where (laughs) you're constantly doing a bunch of different things and you're constantly busy and yet, and yet it's never enough, is it? We, we can't be satisfied. No, no. You know, Ernest Hemingway struggled with the same thing, and that's why we're going to take him down a notch. <laughs> nice. <laughs> we are exactly like Ernest Hemingway. Everyone out there, if you've never been satisfied, you are like Ernest Hemingway. Right. Or his wife. Am I right? Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, uh, jokes. I think, I think one of the things, too, is that uh, you're, you're sort of firing things off into the void a lot. Yes. Um, <laughs> and it, it's like it's a... Um, you're always, always hoping that what you're doing is going to, uh, is is going to hit well. But a, a lot of things you don't, you just don't know. Yeah, um, and it's the shotgun method where a lot of pellets are getting shot out at once, and you're like, oh, as long as one of them hits that deer, then we get to eat tonight. The deer being 
a booker? <laughs> I guess, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Come here, son. Yeah, yeah. yeah the metaphor kind of gets lost in the manslaughter, but... Uh... <laughs> no, I just... I, Stand-up I comic joke it up one um, time. Fun day. Uh, you know, there's sort of like a, uh, a hope or a faith that, you, that we have with um, from reading... I don't know if you, you do this, but I read Fun so day. many different interviews, and uh, I've read so many stories of people's success, but then I, yeah, I, I have this sort of Come on. Um, Let's talk about almost sex, weird baby. comedy religion. Let's talk about you and garbage eventually uh, to the top of uh, this garbage sludge that I've created will the cream will rise and then I'll have made enough garbage that I will stop making as much garbage later and people will be like huh wow he's not that bad at this I mean if you learn anything from any musician that you love all you need is that one good album and now all your bad albums they're not bad albums anymore they're called b-sides and rarities they're just uh-huh. thrown in there and yeah the back catalog Interesting way to look at it too. Like, yeah, um, the open. Like have you heard mic- that Springsteen demo? It's terrible, but because it's Springsteen, people are like, "Oh, this is great. This is like yeah. early." It stuff. was just misunderstood at the time yeah. that he made it. Warren mm. Zevon's first short album. It's not great, but because he's Warren Zevon and made Werewolves of London later, it's like, "Oh, you got to be a completionist." To I'm get so this. glad that you told me the one thing that he's known for because otherwise I was going to nod like I knew. Like, yeah, of course, Warren, Warren Zevon. I mean, yeah. y'all don't why know Warren Zevon? Why, why, why haven't we made the entire podcast about Warren Zevon? Listen, don't take my idea. Let's Zevon okay. together. <laughs> Next week, Warren Zevon. Let's talk about sets. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to have him on. <laughs> what were you thinking when you did Werewolves of London? So, so Kevin, uh, when, when did you start uh, doing... Uh, actually, how did you start doing comedy? I started uh, in college with sketch comedy. I always loved SNL and, and, and I just loved comedy in general. I was a huge comedy nerd from like age 13 on, like watched Friday night stand up Comedy Central, every comedy special I could watch. Total nerd about it. So by the time I got to college and I heard that there was an improv group, I was like, that's a comedy thing. I want to be involved with that. And so I would audition and I never got in. And then I ran into a friend of mine from high school who was like, I'm starting a sketch group. And so I just signed up for that and then ended up like running it with him for three years and just... It was kind of great. There was no rules. There was no like UCB or like there was no one saying like this is how you write sketches. So it was just a bunch of college kids writing whatever we thought was funny, uh, which was which was a great way to to do it. And I did that for three years. And you then just I'm, made each other laugh. Where would you much. perform it? Your sketches in the uh, in the uh, uh, Stratford room at the University of New Hampshire. Oh, and then uh, people would come, just like hey, people guys, would come. Guys. A lot of our friends. I mean, it was a lot of just performing for our friends, but like yes, especially that first is. year. But like oh. then the next year, you know, you, we'd we'd perform it like the freshman orientation events and then they'd be like oh they they we would just trick them into thinking we're a real thing you can go and see right people would show up they'd get drunk and come out or come out to kill time until they went out to get drunk and it was a great it was a great time and we we did that for a few years and then in my last year of college um a couple friends that I did sketch with signed up to do a stand up comedy contest and I didn't realize that stand up was something you could just go and do you don't need like a doctor's note or permission <laughs> You can just go. Wait, I'll hold, hold on there, son. Yeah. All right. I'm going to give you one prescription yeah. for humiliation. It, uh, never, it never dawned on me. That that's... Show. Let me see your credentials. Yeah. Let oh. me see your papers. <laughs> uh, I feel like that's what you did when you were like, what should I promote up top? But uh, <laughs> I never realized that stand-up was something you can just go do. I never realized that stand-ups work on their jokes more than once and yeah. that they're not just standing up Dude, there the first time the first time i heard i remember when i was a kid listening to stand up and i became obsessed with it yeah. and the first time i heard a special by a comedian that 
um, had some of the same material, I felt so betrayed. Yeah. I was like, you've been lying to me. You didn't just come up with that and say it on stage. That is, you're lying. I was I went so to the dentist upset. the other day. Oh, did you? <laughs> <laughs> did you? What else is lies, Louie? <laughs> I don't I think Louie has a dentist bit, but... Unless you're going to the dentist every time right before you come on TV. <laughs> I don't think this is making sense. Was... I went to the dentist the other day. If you've been following character... my career, you know I have severe OCD about my teeth. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, would, I go to the dentist every other day so, yeah. uh, so that my jokes are fresh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I got jealous that they just signed up to do a contest. And my friend Rob ended up like making it to the final. First time doing comedy, makes it to the finals of this stand-up contest. Uh, and I was like, oh, it's, just, it's easy. You can just do it. And then they were going to do it. We, they found an open mic that was right around the corner from our college campus uh, at a bowling alley slash homeless shelter, I think, based on the clientele. A lot of just like vagabonds oh. hanging out in this crazy bar that was also a bowling alley. In that defense, I think it's a similar clientele on all, across all <laughs> That's bowling alleys. That's true. Yeah, that, that transcends, uh, transcends all open mics. Um, uh, so I just, they, I was hanging out with them. Like, we're doing this open mic. And I was just like, me too. And I just like wrote to the host, who's now a good friend of mine, but hated me because of the, he hated me at first because I was terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just wrote a bunch of jokes that day that were real, real dumb. Uh, I had just seen Man on the Moon, the Jim Carrey movie about Andy Kaufman. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, you can do comedy at people? <laughs> they don't have to enjoy it or like you at all no well we'll just do stuff like that so i think like the first that bit, makes you better when they hate you it's like you're standing you an out it makes you an anyone artist. can be likable yeah 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 but it takes a real piece of garbage to be hated and i love andy kaufman and mm-hmm. i love that movie still but uh all of my early bits were just like the first one of the first bits i wrote was um i as a death defying stunt I, w- I would perform my final joke blindfolded and uh, and then I would I would blindfold myself and I would build it up and waste a lot of time building it up and then I would forget the joke and then I would <laughs> and then I would pull out my set list and apologize and say I have to look at my notes and then with the blindfold still covering my eyes I would just stare at the paper <laughs> and then I would say I'm so stupid you can't see the paper through a blindfold and then I would take out a magnifying glass and say that's better oh my god this actually uh, sounds pretty funny I like this set I'm, already I'm, yeah, that, 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 well then you're gonna when you're famous yeah, this is gonna yeah, be the B-sides that's, the, that's, but, the, that's the back catalog other comedians would probably hate you watching you do that it was like, weird other it, comedians were really enjoyed like to a fault would like support that kind of stuff. Nobody else was doing that. And they were just like, Oh good. At least someone's like coming up. Yeah, with yeah. Stuff. I like, think in general, like an open mic comics, they like when people do yeah. things that aren't set up punchline. Cause that's all I'm, they're hearing. Yeah. I meant more like, uh, because he's using props. Oh, there sure. is that. There was a lot sort of, of props. prejudice against anyone using props, almost like a hatred. I think in particular with, uh, in this, in the that might be particularly the New York uh, open. I think it's scene. more New York, New Hampshire, yeah. kind of like with sketch you and like the New Hampshire comedy scene, with the exception of a couple like older guys that like were in Boston in the nineties and yeah. like like they they would never book you on a real show, but like everyone else was just like, oh, we're just having fun and nobody's telling us what we can and can't do, so it didn't really matter. Um, the only people that people hated were the ones that were like clearly just doing an impression of their favorite comedian or even worse, just doing like terrible street jokes that anybody could be doing. Like that was the only thing that people didn't like. There were some people would go up with a guitar and do really silly music of comedy songs. Some people would go up and do 
you know, there was no there was no rules about what you could and couldn't do. That's the beauty of the open mic. No, yeah, yeah, no anybody rules. can do whatever. Uh, I do remember having a lot of early jokes that required props. I had one where I would play the flute for a while and then uh, say you're welcome for getting rid of all the rats. Type <laughs> of joke, really weird. Uh, I had a lot. I had a lot of weird stuff that involved props of some sort. And I remember in New Hampshire, you can get New York. You can't wear shorts on stage. You'll get ripped apart for that. New Hampshire, everybody just went on stage with cargo shorts. So I learned the hard way moving to New York that you don't wear shorts on stage. But part of my getting ready for a set, I did it for a while. Yeah, yeah. Part of my getting ready for for a mic would be loading my cargo shorts with the various props <laughs> that I had to pull out. <laughs> and I had a, for cargo. I had a system. Yeah, we're like, okay, the 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 set list that I pull out will be in the this back pocket. The blindfold will be in this back pocket the magnifying glass will be in the side like i had and they'd be in the same pockets every single set right i I could reach for that i would like think like if i'm holding the mic with this hand then i need to reach in with this hand and then this joke i need to put it back in the stand and there is some footage on it i have i've got a couple i've got a couple old uh i've got a couple old old i have i have most of my first year on tape because i would take i was like nixon just taping everything to my own demise well, speaking well, let's of that, see how far you've come. Yeah, yeah. And this is it. We're gonna play a set of a set of your a bit of yours. Yep. And uh, would you like now? Would you like us to say anything about it before we before we play it? This is a bit from uh, a couple years ago. Uh, um, and it is we we can we can just play it, and I can talk about it. the reason I picked it though is because yeah. it is it I picked it because it's a joke that I kept working on for longer than most jokes that I've worked on. Okay, and that was why I thought it'd be a good one to to bring up. Okay, All right, let's hear it. I read a lot. Of, I read a lot of books on the subway. That's probably my favorite thing about living in New York is I get to read a lot of books on the subway. Uh, and if you ask me, reading is hands down the best way to avoid eye contact with strangers. <laughs> I think that's why I love it so much. I recently read the hardest book that I've ever read in my entire life. Uh, the book is called The Boys from Brazil. <laughs> it's a great book. If you if you haven't read it, uh, it's basically it's about this old Jewish man who hunts down Nazis in South America. So exciting book, right? That's a really exciting plot, you know, very thrilling. Like, you ever read a book that's just so exciting to read? Like, it tricks your brain into thinking you're having fun, you know? <laughs> read a book that good, even though you're not having fun. You're having fun at all. You're reading a book. You're, like, this close to doing math right now. That's, that's not fun at all. So it was a fun book to read, but the reason why The Boys from Brazil is the hardest book I've ever read is because on the cover of The Boys from Brazil... There's a big old swastika. <laughs> That's it. That's the that whole book cover. Do you have any idea how hard it is to read that book on a public subway? <laughs> People notice. People notice very quickly. And, and it's very awkward because I live in a very Jewish neighborhood in New York, known as uh, all of New York. So, every morning I would just have that book out and just old Jewish ladies would glare at me from across the train. They'd just be like, ugh, did we get on the wrong train? What a... Uh, <laughs> All right, so that was an interesting reaction. See, what happened there was that half of you paid attention in history class, and, and the other half of you missed out on a brilliant joke just now. And it kind of fanned out from there. <laughs> a swastika will always ruin your day, won't it? Right? A swastika will always ruin your day. That is, like, the worst thing you can see out there. I think the swastika is the worst thing you can see. I think the exact opposite of a swastika is the symbol for the artist formerly known as Prince. (laughs) Two very different ends of the symbol spectrum there. Because, like, if you're at a party and a guy walked in with a Prince t-shirt, you'd be like, oh, yeah, this guy's got cool taste in music. 
If a guy walked into a party with a swastika t-shirt, you'd be like, oh, the party is over. <laughs> because no one wants to party like it's 1939. <laughs> 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 so good. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, you guys realize... You guys realize that even Hitler's book didn't have a swastika on the cover? <laughs> that might be the one considerate thing that guy ever did. Because you know we had the option. You know, you know what at least came up? You know, like he had a writer's meeting with his agent. Let's say Hitler had an agent, right? And his agent just came in and was like, Oh, mein Führer, uh, your book is ready for the publication. And, and I must say, it's a wunderbar book. Mucho wunderbar, mucho, mucho wunderbar book. <laughs> I only know, like, three words in German, so I fill in the gaps in Spanish. I'm like, oh, mucho wunderbar, mucho. Quieres un poquito más fuera, mucho. Mucho wunderbar, mucho. But, uh, but the publishers, they're wondering, uh, what would you like as a cover art? I was thinking maybe we could put a swastika right on the front of the cover, you know, so, so people know what they're getting into. Uh, maybe write, read everywhere, you're in for a scare underneath. I'm not sure. Spitballing <laughs> ideas, thoughts, memorizing, you know? <laughs> but Hitler said no. Went with a solid black cover instead. Simple, yet elegant. <laughs> and why? Because Hitler hated awkward situations. I mean, amongst other things, but Hitler hated awkward situations. Not a lot of people know this, but did you know when Hitler was a little kid, he accidentally called one of his teachers mom? Oh, that's the worst, right? You ever do that? You ever, oh, that is embarrassing. That kind of embarrassment will make you drop right out of art school. Let me tell you. <laughs> Awful. Awful. Nobody invited, nobody, nobody invited Hitler to any parties after that, so he had to start his own. You get it. Come on. Come on. Get on board. We're going to commit to this one. <laughs> I don't have an ending. I don't have an ending to this joke. I just really like doing it. I've been working on it for like a year and a half, and I still don't have a good ending to it. And a lot of people say, Kevin, if you're going to do an eight-minute joke about a book that nobody here has read, uh, you need to end with some sort of a big, satisfying punchline. And to that I say, hey, don't be such a humor Nazi, okay? Don't be such a humor Nazi. Yes, come on. How many bad Hitler jokes can I make at the end of this joke, huh? The answer, of course, is nine. All right. Uh, Always good when it ends on an applause break. Oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you find up, when you find the final punchline, it'll be the final solution. <laughs> <laughs> Bag it and tag it. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Oh my God! So much good stuff in this, Kevin. That was terrific. Thank you. So, who uh, wrote this for you? Uh, Hitler. Oh. Hitler. He's alive and well, and uh, he's down in South America. Hey, he's a boy school. Yeah. No, I wrote. I wrote that all by myself, Dad. I wrote that. <laughs> I made that. You didn't have any help. Well, I no had some help you. from the guy who wrote The Boys from Brazil, Ira Levin. Right. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah. I so why on... did you pick that? Uh, why did you pick that set for us? I picked. I picked that set because, like, like I say in the bit, like a year and a half, two years is what it took to get that. It's so tight. Four minute thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. It, and and this also uh, is is from a, a quote unquote feature set that I did. There was an open mic at uh, this bar called Lucky Jack's, and they used to yeah, have this thing yeah. called Mic Club, and it was it was great. Um, you'd get to do like seven minutes. Uh, musicians would be there, so there were like some yeah. non comics. The guy who ran it Sasha? looked like the, like looked Johnny like... Depp from 
Pirates of the Caribbean? Caribbean. Yeah, he looked like and Santana. Like yeah, it's yeah. funny. Yeah, he looked like Santana when he was younger, and now he's slowly turning into Johnny Depp. Um, he's he's great, and and so he would give a performer a, a feature spot, and at ten o'clock, it would just turn into like they're going to perform for thirty minutes or whatever. So I went. Uh, and after a couple years of doing that, I was like, hey, I feel like I actually have enough jokes that I could do 30 minutes that I wasn't embarrassed by. Mm-hmm. And he was like, awesome. So I so I did I did that. And then getting ready for this set, I like took the five minute bit and honed it down to the version that was here. So if, like in total, it's the joke that I've definitely put the most work it's into. It's clear. It's um, so clear. Yeah. It, I think I, I was trying. I, I, st- I, I save all my notebooks. I don't get rid of any of them. And I desperately tried to find the I first I think Hitler had the this. same policy. <laughs> and, and Nixon um, didn't throw anything out. Just leave it all there. Uh, you ever think about how your notebooks, if someone found it, you would be committed immediately? Just oh, or indicted oh, for some sort of crime. So, have you ever found somebody? I don't want to get too far into this, but I've found somebody, another comedian's notebook, and tried to figure out whose it was to give it back after a yeah. mic. And it's just like looking through it. It is the, always the scribblings of a mad, yeah, of, of craziness. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. the Kurt Cobain diary. Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's nuts. Um, anyways, to get yeah. back on this. Uh, what was the question? Why did I pick this? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the, the the reason I picked it is because if if I if I'm gonna pick a bit to talk about like one part, if I'm gonna pick one joke to talk about that I I can talk about like the writing process of it, this is the one I put the most work in for some reason, mm. just in terms of time. And I remember like parts of it coming together and and still like not feeling as done with it as I did with that. Like like that was the set that I'm like, okay, this joke is finally done. So like, like the end of there will be blood. I was just like, I'm finished. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so part uh, what one of my favorite things you said right there is that parts coming together. Yeah. I don't know if this happens to you, but there are like there are moments this okay, I can see it in this. Um there are a couple of connections that are so elegant. Yes. That, yes, uh, I was going to talk about that too. Yeah, in particular and I will skip around a little bit, but like where you the um p- no one likes to party like it's 1930 yes. is 100% the comedy rule of bring two things together for new meaning. Yeah. Um and have it generate new meaning, which is I think it's a John Cleese quote. And huh. like uh, that is just, oh my God, it's so fucking great. That was the last part of the joke that was added. And I think I, I did this joke at the same mic like a couple weeks earlier just to test out that one line. Mm-hmm. And when I did that, like it, it got such a good re- I I almost wish I hadn't tested it out at that mic because then I was doing it and, and yeah. kept recording it. Yeah. But, but, but like I think even on stage, I was like, just so you guys know, when I wrote that line, I was like, oh yeah, that's the line. That's like that was the line. like every now and then you write something like, yeah, because- good job, you. Sometimes, like, seeing those connections, that mm-hmm. connection of, like, this fits together here, here, and here. And if I say this word right here, everyone will see those connections all mm-hmm. at once mm-hmm. um, and reinterpret the whole thing. Like, that, um, those, those can take, that can take months yeah. to, to, to see that. Did yeah. you, I mean, did you have the classic, like, thing where you're supposed to list, like, prints and Nazis and all the things in common? And did you do it like that? Or did it kind of just come to you as you're working on the bit? I think I was just going through a prince phase where I was listening to a lot of Prince and I, 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 I've never, I've never done that for, for standup. I did it. I should do it more, but I, I'll do it more if I'm like writing, like if I'm trying to write like monologue jokes, like a couple of times I've sent in packets that went nowhere, but like to try to like, okay, I need to write a joke about this and I'll, I'll use that method. But this was literally just they like, went, they went somewhere. They went in the garbage. They went the garbage. <laughs> I hope they recycled them NBC. Um, uh, but, but yeah, no. So it was really just like, oh, the Prince symbol thing. Came, in, came to mind and, and then I thought of party like it's 1939 I'm like that has to go in somehow oh my god and then I just worked from with in, in the mindset of I need that 1939 needs to be a part of my life forever mm-hmm. um 
I think the first version of this was literally just I was reading The Boys from Brazil. Right. Which the book cover is just a swastika right. on the front. Right. And uh, I and can I was, tell that from it. That's yeah. I can tell that's where it started. That's 100% yeah. where it started. Yeah. And and uh, my friend uh, Lawson Leong saw me on the train. He was like, oh, yeah. And then just saw what I was reading. And we both just burst out laughing at how mm. uncomfortable it was. And like. I just after that, like I just was so aware of how many people were staring at me reading this <laughs> book, um, and so every time, like a lot of jokes, I'll start it and I'll be like, okay, that's not funny. I don't need to do it anymore. And that was one that I just like keep remembering, like people on the train staring at me. I'm just like, it's such a funny thing that happened, and it just kept going back. And then it turned into a thing of like, I've been working on this a year. I can't stop working on it, working on it now. And mm-hmm. I think the original version was I would bring the book on stage with me and like talk about it with pride and then and then i got to a point where i I forget someone at a mic was just like you don't need to bring the book on stage like we get it just write jokes about the thing Mm -hmm. and so i Mm -hmm. stopped doing that but it started out as like a very like prop heavy not prop heavy but just like having the book (laughs) prop heavy is not one book you hold up for five yeah yeah but it had a that was like the left part of your cargo shorts like now you had to bring (laughs) blindfold and the swastika yeah yeah yeah. i had to yeah i would blindfold the book and then it was the whole thing and yeah It ruined your entire system. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's important. I'm really glad that you brought it up because I now like often when I hear like like great bits like this, I'm like, man, how long did it take to get this together? And it is years. It's like it's something like to make something so smooth and mm-hmm. come so naturally. It's just so much. It's so much work. Mm-hmm. And, it, and what you're saying, it rings so true. Did you have times where you got stuck with it where you just. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a big reason why it took so long. Yeah. Um, I forget the, 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 the thing. Did, that, did it die a couple times where it just yeah. stopped working? Oh yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It would stop, or I would get tired of. Right. Well, usually right. bits stop working because yeah. I get tired of doing right. it. Yeah, um, I, which I think is true. When the magic of, of the bit dies for you, it dies for everybody else. Yeah, a lot of the time. Yeah, I, I honestly like after I did this, and I was like, that was perfect. I don't need to ever do it again. And I didn't do it. I did it like this summer at a show because I was like, this, this seems like a crowd that would mm. may or may not enjoy it. And I, and I, I, I just wanted. I think I remembered the 1939, and that, that's like the one part of that joke. Yeah. It's like that's like the one thing that gets you excited yep, about yep, it so yeah yep. you have to find this one thing and isn't that funny like how different comedy is from music in that way mm-hmm. in that you're like you're like you know what i've played fear release 137 times yeah i'm so sick of it you can still play it it's still for release people still enjoy it because it's fear release yeah but with comedy they are like catching that emotional quality from you that mm-hmm. you're emanating that joy or whatever it is that it's part of the bit and if you can't emanate that toward them then they're just then it just doesn't work anymore yeah <laughs> it's so weird yeah yeah and especially when you're doing and really it... spiritual on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. insulting to me yeah i feel like uh like i know people that they'll be like road comics and they can do the same set because they're doing it for new people yeah. and getting that reaction yeah. they might get they might get tired of saying something but like when you're doing open mics and seeing the same stupid faces looking at you at three, sometimes three times a night and you're trying to work on this one bit that you care about by the end of the night everyone's like we don't care like and you it, it would kind of die and that's why the i my favorite part of this joke is the ending because mm-hmm. it's a that's so honest as like like that's the truth is i couldn't think of an ending of this oh this yeah bit. i loved how you got meta so that i do that i do that all the time that's one of my favorite things to do is to do like a almost like a weather report in the middle of the bit and just comment on what's going on in the bit how are people enjoying this especially if it's a rough room like a bad bar show and uh-huh. just like hey one guy enjoyed it this guy not so much it's, it's one of my favorite things oh that's i really wanted to comment on that part of this yeah. joke too because i thought yeah. i think this so when you talk about like nazis there is a chance that you turned some audience off i really like that 
And I could tell this was so practiced. You went into the audience. You made sure that they're going to keep staying with you. At one point, you're like, get on board, guys, you know? And I think that really helps when you're you're doing something. So then you become likable and they become engaged in the bit again. Yeah, and and that's what it was. was I was like, why are people getting so... When I talk about oh right Nazis killed a lot of people right. oh that's why so then then it just turned into like what if I, like I, I thought of like a couple dumb Hitler puns and then I just kept coming up with them and we're I was like we're just gonna end this this joke that's at its heart about a very serious terrible thing you know, and let's just end it with a very lighthearted pun thing and then I think I think after this bit the bit they, this was like my second to last bit and I like comment I'm like I can't end on a Hitler bit because mm-hmm. I can't let that be the last thing you remember me saying right and then I launched on the next. So, so one of, and one of the things that I, I noted in here um, is that uh, you had, and, and I see you do this. I've seen you do this a few times. You're fantastically good at thank you uh, um, at thanking me before I've told you what the <laughs> I thought that was is. it. I thought you were just yeah. going to say no. You're great at it. It's um, you're you're fantastically good at uh, adding in at saying something serious in a really um, upbeat, joyful, almost goofy way. And that that contrast between the seriousness of, uh, of the thing that you're talking about and the way that you're saying it um, creates comedy in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And you can go the opposite direction. You can talk about um, something that's completely ridiculous and silly, but say it in a really serious way, and you'll get the same. It's like a com- It's a really common technique, yeah. and you're great at it. Oh, thank uh, you. It comes out clearly as as we discuss um, uh, the man who killed so many people. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think the the whole comment at the end about just like get on board, we're going to commit to this is actually, I mean, I mean, I love because people are just like, how long is this going to go on? Which is where like the last, like the last couple jokes are just like, how long are you going to keep doing this? But the at the beginning of the set, uh, Sasha, the guy who looks like Johnny Depp and Carlos Santana, um, his like what he meant to be a very endearing and nice uh, intro for me, he was just like, this guy, it's to the joke. You know, I've seen him come in here and. You know whether the joke's going way, you know, going well or not going so well. Like he just, he does not give. Up and like, I admire that, by the way. I, thank I, you. Yeah. I, I, I struggle with that a lot. Yeah, but then I like the, there was like a running joke throughout the whole set of just like, like you're about to watch someone commit to this, and and I'll, I'll do it, especially if I know that I have a bit that has like a long act out at the end. I'll just be like, mm-hmm. and by the way, guys, this is kind of a this is gonna go into like a long thing, and I don't stop if you're not enjoying it, so you might as well just get on board with oh, it. <laughs> Um, because I get a lot that. of joy, I get a lot of joy out of this. So you're going to enjoy this, you know, old timey uh, Kentucky Derby announcer talking about something. What I don't know. I'm totally going to steal that. I'm totally going to steal that. I have an exceedingly dark bit that I'm working out yeah. right now, and it's like, uh, I if they're not on board with the premise right away, yeah. I'm like, this is a long, lonely act out. <laughs> yep. Yeah. 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 I, I think I, I think I've, I've I've seen so many people on open mics, on shows, whatever, where like in the middle of a bit, they'll be like, okay, you guys hate this and you hate me. Let's go on to the next thing. I'm just like, yep. yeah, because that'll make them like you just by doing... Sometimes it, sometimes it works because sometimes people are oh, like, oh, at least about... you know that we hate you. We'll give you another chance. But most of the time, it's just yeah. self-fulfilling prophecy. It, for, uh, when I do that, I bail out. Um, uh-huh. It's not a strategy to get them to like me. It's that I'm so embarrassed I need to do something yeah. different. <laughs> it's yeah, just yeah, yeah. weakness. It's just pure weakness. Yeah, yeah um, I understand. Was there anything else on this before we... Well, you also, uh, Kevin, so now you picked a bit by John Mulaney. I uh, did pick a bit by John Mulaney. Would yes. you like to, should I play it or oh, would you, oh, want to, you want to introduce I'm it? I'm sorry. I had one more thing on, oh, the, okay. on, the, on this. Where you switched the bit to, I don't know if you know this, but Hitler hated awkward situations. Uh-huh. <laughs> that part to me is, uh, a, a, it, it's a genius twist because it's not, um, because you're clearly, you, 
It's so absurd. There's yeah. no way that you know that. And it takes the bit into this very, very silly territory. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's already um, kind of goofy, but like you're just like, now you're turning him into just a guy you might know <laughs> who has a pet peeve about awkward situations. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. I just love it. It's yeah. such a... Yeah, how that, did you, where did that yeah, come where from? Did, yeah, I'm curious about that. The awkward situation. Honestly, like every time this joke, I think just started with like, I was on the train. Here's the book I was reading. It like prop bringing up the book and then it, it didn't go anywhere. So then I just like every time I did it, I would think of another thing. And I think it was, uh, I think, I think it was mostly just, yeah, just talking about how Mein Kampf does not have a swastika. It's just a blank cover. Right. It says Mein Kampf on it. Right. We all know what it is. Yeah. But like even I, I just I thought it was funny that like even Hitler's book doesn't have a swastika on the cover of it. And then I, and then I, uh, I I just like how did that happen? And just like imagine like I like you can tell that I did so much sketch in college because a lot of my bits just turn into like bizarre act outs because I'm trying to write a sketch essentially. Like I just go yeah. into that mode yeah. and uh, and Hitler going to a publishing company yes. was just like a yeah. sketch idea that and, came out of that. And then just those shitty accent work that I do that like is not good. And how I ran out of German words quickly. And so, like, that's all just, like, self referent That was, like, a big lesson I learned in comedy from when comedy was going terrible for the first few years. And then I found that the funniest thing you can do is to just, like, what am I really thinking? Say that out loud and make that part of the joke. So, like, mm-hmm. I only know three words in German, so I fill in the gaps in Spanish. Like, that's where it came out of just, like, let's be honest about your limitations with the German language that you've never studied. Yeah, another – so that's another technique that um, I'm actually, like, focusing on right now is – um, how do I make myself the underdog in this? Mm-hmm. How do I make myself the fool in this situation? Mm-hmm. Um, because my tendency is, is, is not to do that. And I find that if I can find a way to find that little crack to slide myself under, yeah. um, then it can make it a, a bit that otherwise people don't like me for. Then all of a sudden they'll, 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 they're like, ah, oh, we'll be on the side of this underdog. And yeah. that's kind of what you did there when you made fun of yourself about not knowing any German. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's so great. I mean, it's so informative on how many different ways you can take a bit. Mm-hmm. Like, a completely, di- you can go out of the bit itself and put yourself in it. And it's like, there's so many, like, sometimes when you're writing a bit, it's, it's a struggle to, like, add, add words to it. And there's so many, there's always so many different perspectives and then a perspective on a perspective where you mm-hmm. put yourself into it. It's yeah. really informative. It's why, it's why I love uh, Gary Gullman. Um, I didn't oh. pick one of his bits, but like, there's a guy who can just take a premise and stretch it into all these. He has 25 minutes on Bill Gates. I did every possible angle. I finally listened to it. Yeah, unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. unbelievable how many jokes he could write. And people make fun of me all the time for all of my jokes. I don't have one-liners. I yeah. can write them. Like I can write. I've, I've, I can write short jokes, but I don't like doing it for myself. Yep. It's not. It's not what I enjoy doing. All of my jokes are like these two and a half to three minute or more. This one's like, I think four to five minutes long. Mm. Um, I try not to do as many of those because it's harder to practice them. So yep. I've, I've done more two to three minute ones because it's easier to work on them. Um, but I like doing longer bits where you can like take it in these weird, absurd directions. Um, and, and, but people will always make fun of me of just like, oh, like, like any, anytime I'm on a roast, the easiest joke for people to make is, uh, okay, we're going to do five minutes of roast jokes. So... Kevin, that should be enough time for you to roast one person and call it a night. Okay. Hey, a lot of that. <laughs> All right. Um, but uh, so many people, I, when, I, when I moved to New York, because I think it's because we have so many like two to three minute mics, everybody mm-hmm. was doing like, how many one-liners can I cram into this? And I was like, if I can just get really good at doing longer bits, then I'll, I won't sound like every other person here, which was kind of like the New Hampshire thing where I was like, if I don't talk about rape and murder, 
and do smart things where I'm blindfolding myself like an idiot, I at least won't sound like everybody else. So that was that was kind of the the whole thing mm-hmm. that I've. That's my mission statement. Cool. <laughs> awesome, man. Yeah. It's interesting to hear your ethos. All right. So shall we play a little bit of John Mulaney? Yeah, let's play some John Mulaney. This is called what? This is called Blacking Out and Making Money. San Francisco, put your hands together for John Mulaney. Oh, hello, everybody. How are you this evening? All right, let's do this. Uh, thank, you for, <laughs> thank you for coming to the Saturday show. I'm very glad you're here. I love coming out to clubs and bars on the weekends because nowadays, like, every bar will bust out some crazy drink special, you know? You'll see them advertised. And honestly, most of them are okay, the ones around. They'll be like, bucket of beers or ladies drink free. But then sometimes I'll hear about a drink special that sounds like borderline dangerous. Like, my friend will call me up and be like, man, we gotta go to O'Halligan's tonight. It is nickel shot night. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm pretty sure we'll die if we go to O'Halligan's. Nickel shot night should be illegal. You know what I used to do, San Francisco? I used to black out drinking every night of the week. Uh, That's absolutely true. I used to do that every night. For those of you that don't know what that is, uh, blacking out is when you drink so much that your brain goes to sleep, but your body gets all eye of the tiger and soldiers on. I used to do this every night of the week. I'm not proud of that fact, by the way. I'm not proud that I blacked out every night. I'm not proud that I saw the movie The Notebook in the theater. But it happened. I can't change the past. It was a matinee, too. It's pathetic. I'll tell you about blacking out. It was, it was always weird when I would go out for the night with, like, some money and black out and wake up with no money. It was even weirder, though, when I would go out for the night with some money, black out, and wake up with more money. (laughs) Because that means that I earned money. (laughs) That means that I traded goods and or services. Which is scary scary, but sometimes I'd almost be proud of it, you know? I'd be like, wow, I turned $20 into $100. I am a financial wizard. Like, I would like to give people money advice now, but I don't know how that would go, you know? They would just be like, John, we're looking to get rich quick. I'd be like, well, have you tried mixing daiquiris with Ambien? (laughs) They're like, does that work? I'm like, it didn't not work. (laughs) I started drinking when I was way too young. I was about 13 when I started. But honestly, that is nothing because I saw a Dateline NBC special about alcoholics, all right? And they interviewed this woman who started drinking when she was eight years old. When she was eight, it was hilarious. (laughs) 
yeah, I don't even know what I'd be like drunk at eight years old. Like my dad comes home from work and is like, so, John boy, what did you do today? And I'm just like, <sighs> colored. You, you did what now? Colored. You know, coloring. Like with a crayon? Well, uh, what did you color? Some big fucking brontosaurus. It doesn't matter. What did you color? Fuck you. <laughs> you come down to my level. You come down here. You come down here. You don't know me. I have secrets. Why, yesterday I wore my footy pajamas under my clothes and I pretended that I was a fucking fireman. Were you at O'Halligan's tonight? It was nickel shot night. For a quarter, they gave me this many. I love that bit. I love that bit so much. All now, right. what do you love about that yeah, bit? Yeah, tell us. Uh, okay, well, I love... John Mulaney is one of my favorite stand-ups. This, this, uh, this is his first album, The Top Part. and That's the opening track, obviously, mm -hmm. which is why there's an MC at the beginning. Uh, and this is, I think, I think it still might be the only comedy album I've ever listened to twice in a row, like in the same day. Like uh -huh. I listened to it, I had to listen to it again because it made me laugh so much. Um, I mean, listening to this now, I have, I, I've never gotten analytical about it, but listening to it now, I'm now realizing maybe why I have such a love of long jokes that keep going on and on with different angles of it. Because this is just five minutes of jokes about drinking and it could easily be i used to be an alcoholic but a taboo punchline and it just goes on and on with all these great things i love that he off the top confesses to having an addiction yeah. of sorts which should be you know you think of an alcoholic you're thinking some you know rundown hobo type of grizzled type of guy who's going to talk about it and this is a 26 year old man boy uh it also depresses me that i'm now older than john mulaney was when he recorded this album but uh you that's um so if that depresses you, mm -hmm. um, oh, I, I hear a I gun. Can, oh, don't I, load the gun, Jeff. Oh, don't load the gun. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. Uh, I'm uh, going to slip my wrist. And yeah. Shoot myself. It's messy. Yeah. I just love how silly it is. I love how he takes, like, like you were saying, like take a serious thing and make it silly. Mm -hmm. um, and he even just like the personal letting out, like I'm an alcoholic. I used to black out drink. I started drinking when I was a child and, and doing all that, but then but even twisting it, it around to now, but now here's something that's kind of goofy and we're going to make it fun. And, and like, he's almost, he makes himself, you, you learn so much about him from that five minute opening. And it's mm -hmm. like, oh, this is, uh, he, and most of his, most of his stuff, even especially in this first album is I'm an adult technically, which I feel like is a common comedy trope, but he does it so well where he's just like i have an adult problem and yet here i am being a small a small boy on stage telling jokes to you and and i think too to your point like it, even his tone mm -hmm. is very silly right yeah i yeah. was a I, I love his vote i love the way he his vocal inflection i love mm -hmm. the i love it i love the pacing of this joke oh yeah it's 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 terse like his yeah he's he's got such brevity to his words mm -hmm. and like 
at the same time, um, he draws out the silences to fill those gaps in such a masterful way. Yeah, yeah, the, just that whole uh, him explaining the drink specials, or, or a better one is just like sometimes I would wake up with more money, and you can yeah. even tell where it's going, exactly but where like it's going. the pa- just the pacing of it, people are still cracking up just right. because of that, and it's still it's he still finds great ways of of phrasing it and and delivering it. I have an issue with talking too fast on stage. And I think when you hear someone like John Mulaney, he's talking very slowly. And I think people who talk fast think it'll sound slow or not yeah, right. But, I have the same problem. <laughs> but like when you listen to that, you realize you don't, I mean, it just comes across as a nice manner of speaking and yeah. a confident mm-hmm. way of delivering a joke. And it, you won't come across as you, how you think you would come across if you would just slow down. Yeah. And actually, a lot of times speaking more quickly makes you sound less competent mm-hmm. and it's kind of important to sound confident on stage or confident in a certain way but yeah, yeah. it makes you seem nervous, <laughs> yeah. nervous. You talk yeah, fast. Yeah. and if you're nervous the audience is nervous for you and right. that kills comedy right. yeah yeah i used to have a problem with talking really fast because i would try to do long wordy jokes yeah, and you in a short amount of time in. yeah oh, i know and then i it, know it took a while of me being like i would like listen to tapes and be like okay we're gonna try to slow this down and we're only gonna try to yeah it it, it takes that's why I, I i love the pacing of that it's amazing it, it does show too how much of it is rhythm yeah how much is rhythm yeah, it's yeah insane yeah. yeah you can learn that from listening to a bit like this from Melanie. you can also get that from listening to someone who doesn't get that and mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm monotone all mm-hmm. one volume all in a row like not leaving spaces for laughs like you can tell that he knew where every single laugh was gonna come and 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 the pauses are so well managed i, I have a joke that i like to open up uh open mics with and there's somebody else who occasionally will say it because i co-host with him and i heard him do the same joke but he didn't because he it wasn't his joke that he wrote he didn't do it with the same timing the joke is super simple it's just hey i just want to let everybody know there's no heckling at this mic unless it's funny. <laughs> okay. So, and he goes, I want to let everybody know there's no heckling at this mic unless it's funny. Okay. So, and oh, I was like, I just yeah. sat there and I was like, oh, you just, this, that's my baby. Why yeah. did you do, do that to my baby? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Didn't get the, and it's, it makes all the difference in the world. It does. Yeah. I didn't laugh the second time. No. Well, <laughs> I mean, A, you already heard it, but sure, B, yeah, yeah. you, you, you wouldn't have anyway, yeah, so because of the timing. Right, right, right. Uh, okay, so um, I loved in this um, how he tells you the tone of what he's about to talk about. Like he'll tell you it's hilarious, <laughs> and then he goes on. Yeah, he's like, he's like, oh, here's this thing about this eight year old girl who's drinking, and everybody goes whoa, and then he just stops everybody in their tracks. You're gonna feel bad for this little eight year old girl, and he goes. No, it's funny. Yep. <laughs> and then he justifies why it's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that that whole that whole thing is great. I love because he's making fun of an eight year old. Yep. He's making fun of a woman whose life has been ruined since she was eight years old but and started he drinking. Does it by throwing himself under the he bus? He does. He's still he's still a nice yes. boy. He's still a nice boy. Yes. Um I also loved uh how um he did this beautiful bit of contrast like he always you know heighten the contrast heighten mm-hmm. the contrast and he did he added in a dr- adult drunk standard stock lines to innocuous yeah. uh non-dangerous children's activities ah mm-hmm. just like what'd you do today fuck you <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
you at O'Halligan's tonight. That's the other thing I love. I love yep, a long bit that some people are like, oh, callbacks, cheap trick. Mm-hmm. What? No, when it's oh, no, done callbacks well. callbacks are great. Yeah, I, I love, when it's done well, it's it's. I, I have so many jokes that end with a callback because it's such a great way to wrap up a long thing where you're like, where's this going to end? It's going to end where we started, back with this, a reference to this thing. Yeah, I I also love all of his like, I love I love when comedians like have like a phrase like financial wizard like things like mm-hmm. that when comedians like coin a term of yes. some sort like it it adds so much to and it makes a bit stick when you yeah. all of a sudden learn a new term because somebody describes in two or three words something you've always known mm-hmm. and they do it in a way that describes it better than you've ever described it all of a sudden that's the way you describe it now yeah that's the beauty of a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what I like is he when he defined blackout. I, this is something I noticed yeah, that I, yeah, I, yeah. this is always a nice thing for any time you're writing a bit. Any time you have to define something, define it with a joke. Um, yes, yeah. it, it works. Mm-hmm. It gets the audience involved. They think because they think they know what you're going to say, and then it's a it's a nice way to have a surprise, right? Um, when you define it in your own way, but still with in the reality of what a blackout is. I would put it in the same family as when you're when you have a saying, and then you change yes. the end of the saying. Um, and, and then, and people like they, they, it's built in automatic joke structure. Here's the saying, you think you know where it's going, but it doesn't go there. Ha 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 ha. And you get that you build it in. But if then not only do you change, add the surprise element, you add in new meaning to it. Um, then all of a sudden you have yourself a fucking great joke. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does that with, uh, what does he say? Brain asleep. Eye of the tiger. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, yeah. I, body goes eye of the tiger. Your brain soldiers goes, on. So yeah. God, so good. Such a great yeah. metaphor. I really like the direct. So he had the thing where he wakes up with more money than less money. I really like how he took that to being a financial advisor for other people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I just thought that was a that was a very creative. Yeah. Wonder how long it that. got him. To, how long it took for him to get that to that point, like to 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 go. Um, wow, I ended up with a hundred dollars in my pocket. To I'm a financial wizard, giving people financial advice to tell them to have daiquiris with Ambien. Let's depress Kevin Moore. It took him three days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Um, any other uh, thoughts on this one? I think that was the thing. I just love this bit. I love okay. this bit so much. That's Excellent. It. That's all I want to say. John Thank Mulaney, you. Thanks for that fan. Thanks for that contribution. I thought it was, it was a great bit. Um, all right. Uh, let's move on to now Jeff McBride's bit. Uh, we know Jeff McBride, and uh, the the uh, Jeff this bit is called Pirates. And Jeff, uh, the reason you picked this bit before yeah, you yeah yeah just because um this bit uh is uh it's dark and it's taken it took a little while to figure out the angle on it um it it took quite a while actually to to figure out how can I take people to this dark place place and make them laugh um against their will and uh it, which is that's Probably one of my favorite things to do is to get people. I love it when people do it to me when I laugh against my beliefs, and that's an, and whenever anybody does it, I, any other comedian does, it, I will go up to them and I will tell them, "You made me laugh against my beliefs." That's 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 fucking funny, man. Um, oh, great thing to tell a comic. It, great thing to tell a comic. It is. It is. It is. They get. They just like puff up. They feel so good. <laughs> so this is one of those ones you'll see why, uh, and especially you. Well, it it'll speak for itself. <laughs> Pirates, that was it. Look, throughout most of human history, 
country. If you lived on the coast, the scariest thing you could possibly hear was, Friday night is pirate night! <laughs> and we love them now. We love pirates. Dress up like them. And like in any city, there are, there are pirate-themed bars where it's just like, come on down to Booty Cove and get yourself a mother grog like an old tiny rapist. Oh. <laughs> oh. We're okay with this. And like it's it, things become okay over time, and that's how we deal with uh, the horrible things that we do as humans. We make it into playtime. So it begs the question: like, how long is it going to be before we have Muslim extremist bars? <laughs> not now. Like, it's not funny. Like, mm. dude, you gotta go to Jihad, man. Their DJ lineup is the bomb. No. September 11th drink special, nine shots for $11. We'll make you forget. No. All right. Wow. Anytime a joke ends in an applause, that's and then the lady at the end. Oh my, oh my god. god. <laughs> Maybe she was a pirate. <laughs> Oh, that's a great bit. All right, that's why great, did you yeah. pick that bit, Jeff McBride? Uh, just uh, because, uh, A, it's, I don't know, it, you know, it's, I'm in New York, and it's, a, it's like, this is, it's, it's a tough place, and I love, I, I, I love that um, comedy can take you to a difficult place and get you to laugh and um, uh, to, to go a little woo-woo on you. I think that that's good for, that's, I think that's good for people. I think that. Um, being able to laugh in dark places helps Absolutely. us deal with it, and um, and also like it's not a joke at the ex- I, 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 it's never a joke for me. It's not a joke at the expense of victims or things like that. I'm making fun of a basic tenet of human nature of society. Yeah, of yeah, people. Right. To that that we um, that that it takes tragedy that that we deal with tragedy by turning it into play, um, and mm-hmm. I think that that's and we often do not think about it, especially the longer ago that it was. Yeah. You know, you make a Viking joke about how they, you know, rampaged their way through uh, Northern Europe and um, making people, children beautiful against everybody's will. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden, and it, that's fine. But of course, the closer it is that, you know, there's, it, it becomes harder and harder to do, to, to laugh at. But we don't even think about it. So this to me was that. I was just like, I wanted to just explore that theme. You mentioned like it's it's it was hard. One of the reasons you picked this bit is um, it was it, you wanted to get something uncomfortable. The audience laughed at something uncomfortable, and the way you did it here is like you you just started talking about pirates, and this is a nine eleven. This turns into a nine eleven joke, mm-hmm. or at least a joke around the theme of nine eleven. Um, but you talked about pirates, and you made several jokes about pirates. So now this is a bit about pirates in the audience mind, and. You made an airtight case that, you know, these were terrible people, but we celebrate. And this is un- undeniable. You know, everyone mm-hmm. understands this. And then you, then you boom, drop 9-11. And right. now your mind can't deny it because right. it's, it's so, right. it's, it's, it's so I wrote, correct. I wrote down the same thing. I love, I love jokes like this because basically the joke is the same joke told twice. Right. Like you tell the joke about pirates and then you tell it again about Muslim extremists and jihad and everything. And you basically, yeah, you make them accept we're going to talk about pirates. This is true of pirates. This is true of pirates. We all agree. Okay. Muslim extremism, 9-11. Uh, now, like, you can't deny the, the, and, the and, logic of it. And, and I found, like, I mean, believe me, there were a few times where this was, a uh, number of times, where this was like, nope, 
fuck you. Yep. <laughs> We're not laughing at this. Yeah. And then I found that the only way I could do it was um, if, uh, like, it, obviously it had to be, it was, I had to wait and literally just, just give it a moment and make them think mm. the joke was done. Yeah. And I thought it was done. I thought that was going to be it. And then, right. And then I wait and then I say the thing and then I distance myself immediately. I'm, while I'm doing that, I'm shaking my head. I'm moving my hands back and forth uh -huh. and I'm going, uh-uh, it's not funny. It's not funny. And the more I tell them it's not funny, the more they laugh at it. Yeah. Wait, what, are you, what are you saying is not I'm funny? saying, mm-mm, that's -mm, yeah. not funny. Can't laugh at that. Don't yeah. do that. Yeah. Mm -mm. That's, the, that's like the self-awareness. You're, you're yeah. saying what, exactly what they're thinking, yep. which is, nope, yep. we can't laugh at that. Nope, and you're like, I agree. And you're yep. just like, oh, okay. Well, I'm not laughing. And <laughs> And then I wait, and then I go, and then here's the way worse thing. And then, yeah. and I never acknowledge, like, I, I learned that I had to, I can't laugh at it. I want to laugh at it. I can't, I have uh. to sit there and continue to deny that it's funny. It's a terrible thing. It's not, and the more I deny it, the more they laugh. And I, the, I cut it off here, but that laughter goes on for a while after that, as I just sit there and wait yeah. it out. Like, <laughs> I used to do a joke about school shootings where it was the same kind of thing, where it was just like, it would be like, it was like another, like, Dumb, silly joke. I'm like, mm, don't laugh at that. You're all bet. Those of you who didn't laugh, you're correct. I'm on your I side. Like, it's the reverse psychology yeah, thing yeah, of, of yeah, comedy. Yeah. Was this joke always pirates as a metaphor then for Muslim thing? Or did you start it out as just trying to like, let's go into the 9-11 theme bar, no, like the no. cheers of 9-11. The way it worked was just, I was having a, a conversation with some friends. We were just joking around walking on the street. And um, we saw there was a pirate bar. And I was just like, God, it's so fucking weird. There's pirate bars in every town. And it's like, and then I was like, and then I, and I said, and by the way, like the fact that we dress up as pirates is a little fucked up. And then, and then we started joking about that, about uh, how fun it is to dress up. And I was like, there's all these pirate bars. And then I was like, what about a Muslim yeah. extremist bar? And then everybody started laughing when I said that. And I was like, oh, notebook. <laughs> I think it's funny. That, do you think that people who don't do comedy have those same thoughts? that because i noticed both of us like i had the 1939 thing you have this like pirate and both of them turned into this whole long drawn out thing is that just the comic mind like here's a weird thing let's obsess about it for the next five minutes and then well one thing I, I learned i great advice is what you should write down where you get your bits is uh -huh. that anytime you're talking to a group of friends and someone says something that makes everyone laugh yeah it's, that's something to write down uh, that, yeah that makes sense. like people aren't comics the, this happens in life all the yeah. time that's yeah. why we're wired to laugh at stand-up comedy because yeah. it mirrors yeah. like what our sensibility of, of being, uh, being alive and being around people and in that's groups. True. Yeah. Um, but that's such a weird, like, like, I, like, that's such like a comic, like premise. Just like, isn't it weird that we like, I, like, I, I can't not do it as like a sign for like, what's the deal with pirate bars? You know, like it, like it, it sounds like such a, like, like a comic thought of yeah. just like walking by yeah. a thing. It's, it's, it's just, it's so weird that that, those kinds of thoughts just like well, come to you and yeah, turn into I, a four minute. I, I've always been in my head. Sure. Right. And um, I know a lot of m most people I know aren't as in their head as I am because mm -hmm. I'm in my head to the point I can't directions are, are lost on me. Uh -huh. I yeah. literally like I have to have Google Maps like I'm just constantly in my head and not out in the world. Yeah. Um, and then I go out in the world for a moment. Something catches my eye and I'll be like, oh, and then I'm back in my head again on a whole new thing. <laughs> With this new information. Like yeah. I, I like, it, like it's. And I have to like consciously force myself to go out of my head to get new stuff. Yeah. But the moment that I do, I'm back in again. Yeah. You're like, like a mountain man going into town for supplies. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so like, so I, I don't think, um, I, I have a lot of friends who, I'll give you, I'll give you a good example. 
Um, I don't particularly care for traveling as much as almost any girl I've ever been with. Because the girls that I, I've dated, um, they tend to be very funny and witty and whatever. Um, I like that. But they are really out here. They're way out, and they're, and they're looking and taking in the sights and drinking it all in. I don't care about the sights uh. because I get one sight, and then I'm back in again, and yeah. I'm not paying attention to what's going on around me. Yeah. Uh, I have to force myself to, like, especially if I travel somewhere. It's like, let's enjoy San Francisco, a place you've only ever yeah. seen in movies and yeah. TV. Let's enjoy <laughs> the fact that you're here. You're seeing it live. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that that maybe that tendency is 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 part of it for me at least is mm -hmm. that that tendency to just be constantly in my head ruminating over this that or the other thing and then from that rumination comes there's a utility van why are utility vans the primary uh vehicle for uh kidnapping and molesting people when did how did that start and then uh, <laughs> i yeah. that like who who is like well this is the this makes the most sense like like what a strange association yeah. and then i'm off are they trying different vans like all right let's try the ford f-150 <laughs> uh, <laughs> cherokee the utility van right um, our right. research indicates that that's by far the best did the guy in detroit while he was making it like this is gonna catch a lot of kids like put it together <laughs> so exactly and you start but i don't think yeah. a lot of people spend any time thinking about that yeah because they're out in the world they're experiencing what they're experiencing instead of just like having a constant dialogue between themselves and themselves mm -hmm. uh so i don't know yeah. that's my those, best guess those were the people that i always thought were the funniest like not not comedians just like adult like if i was a kid and just the adults that I would gravitate towards would be the funny adults, like the funny, you always wanted the funny teacher. Or when I was a Boy Scout, there was this guy, Mr. Smith, wasn't in my troop. He was just a guy from another troop. But I was like, that guy was so funny. And they would have that quality of just like, we're going to take a dumb thought and we're going to stretch it yeah. out for the afternoon. like, <laughs> And just like they're doing bits, but they're not comics. So they're not bits. They're just like coming up with weird stuff. That's how I write a lot of jokes. We'll just be like a weird association. And then let's just walk around and think about it and get in your head. or. Sometimes I'll even just like act it out. Like, a, like I'll do that. I'll do that all the time. And just like, well, how many weird things can we have off of this? Weird. What would happen if we had a pirate bar that did this? What about Jihad as a <laughs> right, bar? Like, right. and that, by the way, um, was a, uh, that that bit. It's it's finally pretty tight. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, that was uh also a, a collaboration. Like, um, I got stuck a few times on it, and I sat down with Sandeep, mm -hmm. and then we tossed it back and forth because he tends to be better with wording. Um, and cutting fat out of things than I am, and um, uh, and I'll have like the the idea, the idea, the premise. I'll have it worked out. I'll get a basic laugh on it, and then I'll come back and be like, okay, let's tighten this up. And like that 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 last line of um, nine shots for eleven dollars will make you forget. That was Sandeep, and that was out of probably like fifteen different options. Oh wow! Finally, of like testing, 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 until I finally landed. That was the one that just was like people were just. I was like that. En that ends it. Yeah. That ends it. Yeah, that's such a great outline. So uh, cool. Any other I, thoughts on this one? Um, I think I might have had. I'm just like, what? So the what was what was the original like ending of that? Like, I'm just so curious about what the early version of this, like the the version that people would just be like, mm, nope, was it just like? Oh, I tried. Did you go too dark with it? And like, yeah, this is, like because this is like a very playful dark bit, and yeah. I can see it starting out as oh, like way, too, way dark. too dark. I think one thing you mentioned was just like you're not making fun of the victims mm -hmm. in this. Oh. I have a whole other section of this of of, of like, victim shaming nine eleven of of how we only dress up and play as the vi as the villains, uh, but nobody yeah. dresses up like the victims. Nobody's dressing <laughs> up like the like the wench <laughs> whose <laughs> was burned down. 
<laughs> and then I had all these examples of things. I'm you a don't gulag do. worker. Oh, <laughs> trick or treat. Yeah. Like, like, well, oh my God, what are you supposed to be? A beheaded journalist? Oh, <laughs> oh, How did you get the next scar? Like, oh, like, oh, it just God. like, it, it was, I had a ton of stuff like that. And I, I kept exploring it. And I had, oh my God, I have, I had all these things about how, like, um, even our sports teams, we 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 tend to name them. We're fine with naming them after the people that committed all the atrocities, yeah. but you can't name it after the poor people. You can't commemorate the poor poor victims. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like you're just like we're fine with the Vikings who raped everybody. Uh-huh. We're fine with the pirates who rape, murder, and steal. But the Redskins, uh, uh-huh. uh, 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 like it's yeah. weird. Thing. That is that is a, that's true. That it, is a weird that thing. We weird. can commemorate the worst yeah. people of us and be like they're winners. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's more. Well, I guess. I guess. Yeah. The only thing is like. It's because then we take the victims and then we make it like all the Native American based teams. The Cleveland Indians have the what is it? Chief Nakahoma is the was the mascot like that red. The red-faced Indian logo well, thing. It's, I mean, like, I feel like, it were to like you're taking them it. while they're down. Like, yeah. Like, if I were to explain it, it's because I mean, I've thought about this endlessly. Um, if I were to explain it, it's because um, you're making light of their suffering. Yeah. Um, yeah. By putting them into uh, anything other than their context of their suffering. Yeah. Right. Whereas with we're we're trying to take somebody who used power for evil intent. Uh, for evil, evil purposes, and then, um, and we're we're taking the teeth out, we're knocking their teeth out by using its humor, turning it into a cartoon, whatever. I mean, like, there's legitimate reasons why it happens, but it is weird that we, in a way, that yeah. that what we end up doing is playing like we're them, like that's yeah. playful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's the interesting part of it to me. So I tried to really hit on that, and I had all kinds of else, um. I had uh, examples of, like, I tried to just, like, brace it. Like, oh, I was like, oh, uh, I actually had a, a Nazi party joke. Because uh-huh. I was just like, because, you know, like, I was like, I think it's about 100 years, and then you can start doing this. Because it's certainly uh-huh. not 60. Because there's, you, you nobody's throwing Nazi parties. Because... Uh-huh there still are some Nazi parties, <laughs> you know, and, and that got kind of a laugh, but I could never really, it just, none of it hit like that hard. And it just was yeah. like a separate premise really. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. That, it's also, I mean, it's, it's tough to get away with the nine 11. I feel like there is like a sweet spot where like nobody, it's hard to get away with like a true blue Holocaust joke. Mm-hmm. Like if you're actually going to talk about the Holocaust, because People's grandparents were in that. Yep. Like, people's grandparents yep. are alive right now with yep. the tattoos and everything. My old landlady was a Holocaust escape from Auschwitz. It's like, yeah, she probably wouldn't enjoy that. Well, the 9-11 thing, though, like, the, the families of people who died, that might be one thing. But, like, it's such a terrible thing for the entire country that, like, if you make some jokes like this, it's like, this is so terrible. We need to laugh. Exactly. Like, even right now, I love all those stories about, like, Greg Giraldo and, like, all the people who were in New York at the time and, like, a couple days after 9-11. Like... No, we're going to do a comedy show. And like, they were like the best shows because everyone was like, we need this. Mm -hmm. Please be Mm -hmm. funny. Please make us laugh. We need this so bad. I think people confuse. So I think this is why. So there is an element, a strong element of shock humor in what I'm doing in this. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why. And I I read this and then I I also wholeheartedly buy into it. Shock on its own is gratuitous and shitty. Yeah. Um, Shock serving another a uh, shock serving subtext mm-hmm. that has some sort of something meaningful to say is yeah is so worth it and um and i uh, to your point about like uh talking about things like 911 holocaust things like that like if you look at like 
uh, Monty Python, they deal with the you know the the devastation uh, that that uh, England experienced on on uh, what can I talk um, by the by the Germans and all the bombing and everything. They deal with that a lot. Yeah, they deal with all the repercussions of of rebuilding after World War Two, mm -hmm. and they and they deal a lot with the, with um, uh, Nazi Germany. And it's like it's a it's like a release. Mm -hmm. It was subversive, and it was a release for the entire nation at the time. And the same thing can be said of like all the stuff that like Mel Brooks did and stuff. I mean, they were connected to the Holocaust and all of that. Totally, like yeah. springtime for Hitler. Like there, there's there's such benefit yeah. in making fun of. Uh, there's such benefit in this mm -hmm. uh, of of making fun of these horrible things because it does let people just finally have another relationship to those memories and to that and to that experience. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, dealing humor is a is a mature defense mechanism, as what totally, Freud yeah. said. I mean, this is why I think Don humor Deep works. Is also a psychiatrist, so uh, yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, I think that it, I'd never like when people have a premise of you can't joke about uh, bad things. That's the way yeah. you want to. That's a way a mature person is one of the mature ways to deal with it. And right. I don't think we should ever forget yeah. that. Although most of the people are like, oh, what you can't joke about that? No, you can't joke about yeah. that because you're bad at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't mean the thing isn't yeah. worthy of having an right. intelligent I saw, point of view. I saw a guy at an open mic. I was at a terrible open mic on Thursday uh, where it was like three people in a row all like one guy just went up and was just talking about how how girls should be thanking him for how good he is at sex. And it was just like like nobody was laughing. Everybody was just like, what the hell is wrong with this guy? And he's like, oh, what? I can't talk about how being this drunk girl had sex. It's like, no, you, you clearly cannot. It's not funny. Like you're just up there bragging about. No, you can, you can talk about it. The consequence is no one yeah. laughs. Well, the whole joke was just like, like, Oh, I, uh, I got drunk at a bar. I met a girl. We went home, we had sex, but then it turns out she was in a blackout. So I didn't even get credit for how good I was at the sex. Oh boy. Oh. The, and just that's, you groaned at it. The way I just said it is like 10 times funnier than the way he said it. And I'm just like, no, you're now you're in some ethical gray area uh, where nobody's okay with it because you clearly remember it and she does not. And now we're we're as a society not okay with that. And yeah. and it was just four minutes of of all this like, oh, I did this thing for you that you really enjoy. You don't even remember it. That's that's why that's how I get a girl to make me breakfast in the morning. It's ridiculous. I'm like, it's not. It it just wasn't working. And then everybody after that, there was me and one other guy, and we didn't mention uh, date rape. Did very well. Did, did my, <laughs> and I think part of it was just that he was very new and didn't know how to write jokes yet. But also everyone was like, oh, good. We're done with, we're done with rape. And when um, uh, we got to move on to the next thing in a minute, but I, I wanted to, to your point. So the best comedy advice I ever got ever was uh, I just gotten divorced and uh, I went on stage and I tried to talk about it. And this is back when I was living in San Francisco, and I was part of this thing called the San Francisco Comedy College, which you basically were paying for stage time. And they barked in people, and it was it was a decent deal. It was, and um, thank I'd, God we have nothing like that in New York. <laughs> We've come so far. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So, um, so anyway, and the, the but the guy that ran it was like a 23, 24 year old veteran. Um, he's a really cool dude. Uh, I'll, his name's Curtis Matthews, and he's awesome. And he, but he's and he's grizzled. He's just yeah. he's like the epitome of a grizzled comic. And um, uh, so anyway, I go up there and I try to talk about my divorce. It's so bad. It's so bad that I at some point stop and I go, this is funny, right? This is funny. And they're oh, just God. like the, the resounding, the audience was just like, no, you're a sad man. Yeah. And now we're sad. Yeah. Uh, so I, and I, I get off stage feeling worse than I did when I get on stage. And 
walks over to me. He puts his hand on my shoulder and he goes, so, uh, Jeff. Like, yeah. He goes, when this happened? It's like, um, about a month ago. He goes, yeah. So, Jeff, the thing about comedy is, um, people need to know it's okay so that they can laugh. <laughs> and I go, yeah. He goes, you know what you should do? Like, what? I'm like waiting for this wisdom to drop, right? And he goes, maybe find something else to talk about for a little while <laughs> until it's okay. Best yeah. comedy advice I ever got. Wow. I, didn't, I don't think I knew that. Yeah. You have to make it okay. Yeah. You have tragedy to, whatever plus it is, time. it has to be made okay. Yeah. I just had pure tragedy. No time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had a bit like that. I had a girl break up with me uh, right after I finished college, and I like tried to talk about it. And I, I went back and watched the set because I still had the video, and I'm just like, like, my friends thought it was so funny. People who knew me thought it was funny right. because they knew her, and they knew the context, and they had chosen a side. But I watched it like maybe a couple years ago when uh, I, I forget why. So I think someone was like, we're going to do a show where we watch crappy old videos of ourselves. And I watched them like, this guy is so angry and so upset. Oh, no, that's me. Oh, no. Kevin, well, what are you doing, buddy? And yeah, it definitely like needed more time because it just sounded like someone going up and ye- like Kinnison when he was going through that. I'm going to yell at women phase because he'd been heartbroken so much. Like it was like that Oof. just yelling without any substance. Yep. All right, well, cool. Let's um, let's, <laughs> let's go. Let's go into some yucks. <laughs> okay, our last bit of the uh, of the night is uh, uh, one that uh, Jeff picked out, uh, hearing by Brian Regan. Uh, we'll start it right now. I don't know. Everything's going away. I don't hear very well anymore, but that's my own fault. I had firecrackers blow off in my ear on Fourth of July a couple years ago. Pretty stupid. Um, not in my ear. Wasn't... <laughs> Just realized what that sounded like. Okay. Hey, light it. See what happens. <laughs> you never know till you try. Come on. Let's see what happens. It wasn't quite that stupid. It was pretty close to that stupid. I don't know why I'm defending. I'm not that dumb. It blew, it blew up here, not in, in there. Can you imagine firecracker blowing up in your ear? No, this is like an inch away from my ear. Well, anyway, I was gonna throw a firecracker, true story. I looked at it and I was like, well, that's silly to just throw one at a time. They bundle them all together, get the whole thing moving. Good lesson for the kids. Watch what daddy's attempting. I told my friend, I said, you light them, and when they're lit, yell, now, and I'll throw them. So I was like this, and I hear, okay. (laughs) I didn't hear now, and I didn't hear anything for about six months. Except the phone ringing every now and then. <laughs> Somebody gonna get that? Somebody gonna get that? Why does daddy say that all the time now? Somebody gonna get that? Is somebody gonna get that? I can't hear anything. 
If I'm watching a movie with my wife, I'm like that guy in that commercial. Ah, oh, what did he say? <laughs> so, so my wife said I should get my hearing checked. So we went to a place to do that. They put me in a booth with headphones on. There's a glass partition. My wife and the hearing technician are on the other side of the glass. The guy through the headphone says, you're gonna hear words electronically through the headphones. When you hear a word, let us know what word that is and that's how we can check your hearing. Ready to go? Yeah. All right, here we go. Here's the first word. I didn't hear anything. We didn't start yet. All right, here we go. Here's the first word. Ready? Chamas judgment. What do you want from me? <laughs> uh, what word was that? Was it Chazamahazamah? <laughs> no, I'm going to say Chazamahazamahazamah. <laughs> no, put me down for Chazamahazamahazamah. <laughs> no, no, no. What word did that sound like? It didn't sound like a word. <laughs> no, no, no. Come on. I'm going to play it again. You gotta tell me what word it most closely sounds like, all right? Here we go. Chicken musket. Chicken musket. I swear, he and my wife go, I'm like, I can see you. I can't hear, but I can see. 2020, the mocking that's going on. It's not nice. Are you ready for the next word? If it's a word! <laughs> All right, here we go. Ready? Chamaschutter. Tuna fish sandwich. <laughs> Do you believe me now? I can't hear. <laughs> I said that when I came in the building. Is there a box that says can't hear? Check that box and get me the hell out of here. I don't know. I gotta do something. I've been watching the commercials for the hearing devices, you know? Sonic ear. When I was younger, I wouldn't even pay attention to a commercial like that. Now I'm like, hey. <laughs> Might help my bingo game. They show all the stuff you can do with Sonic Ear. You can hunt better with Sonic Ear. <laughs> um, don't you need a weapon? <laughs> all right. As Brian Regan on hearing. All right, Jeff, why did you pick that? I picked it because when I first heard it, it was one of those ones that made me giggle like a little kid, like as an adult. And then I'd listen to it again, and it would still make me giggle like a little kid. Um, And I think um, Brian Regan is such a grandmaster 
of stand-up and his ability to set himself to I to alternate back and forth between he's the moron and everyone else is the moron uh is like it's just it's just, it's incredible and uh I love this bit because he's the sort of he puts himself as sort of this resentful moron uh uh over and over again and it's just his reactions to these to to this situation that ends up making it um I think to me hysterically funny it's not even there aren't even there's not much in the way of jokes in this uh like the only there are a couple at the beginning um and then at the end, there's like a joke. There's that joke about, I'm going to hear me a caribou, uh, <laughs> you know, but most of it, the, the, the majority of it is just him um, uh, having these, this, this reaction to not having good hearing. That's just it. And I, and I love that because you just, you're so on his side uh, solidly that like every time he's resentful of every single moment, it's like, you're, you're right there with him. So. I think that's why I, why I liked it. I like what I like about Brian Regan. Brian Regan's one of those, pretty much any joke of his, it makes me giggle like a little kid. Mm-hmm. Like I went, I, I went and saw, I saw the Radio City show that he did, the one that he ended up taping. I got tickets like a year in advance when they announced it. And then they're like, oh, by the way, now we're going to tape this as the first live special. And like every single joke on that, it's, it's fantastic. He's like, he's a master of the best comedy. Sounds like they're just going up there and talking. And Brian Regan is so good at it that it's, he doesn't even sound like a comic. He sounds like a guy who wandered on stage and was just like, oh, is this the... Okay, we'll just... Uh, Here we go. I had a hearing test. <laughs> yeah. And mine hurts. <laughs> and it hurt it. Did. I'm going to hear a caribou. Yeah. I, lo- I love everything about that whole uh, persona. I lo- and and uh, one thing I wrote down is that, like, most of his jokes just revolve around him going in-depth to how stupid he can be. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why he is so, like universally lies because we all have done something that's stupid at right. some point right. in your life you've been a little too close to a loud thing you shouldn't have been close to mm. like and he's just like we're gonna take this to the the thing you were afraid would happen you're gonna lose your hearing from being stupid i did that we're gonna we're gonna get into that uh-huh. I, I, I love i love that about his his whole and he made he, and he does it in a way that somehow because he's so full of joy with it like he does it without you feeling sorry for him. Mm-hmm. You don't feel sorry for him, and it's not that you don't relate. It's not that you don't have sympathy, but you don't feel sorry for him. And that when people feel sorry for you on stage, it's the kiss of death. Yep, it's over. <laughs> yeah. Um, how did he do it? Uh, well, if I could speak on behalf of Brian, Reed, yeah, but- <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think it's just that he found. I think it's just it's a we're all stupid. We all can get on board with. Here's a guy who should be smarter than this, but we're not. We're, none of us are as smart yeah. as we can. And I feel like uh, the reason it works so well as like a comedy persona is that most people spend their whole life trying to fool people into thinking they're smarter than they right. actually are. Right. And he's going up and just being completely self-aware of just like, yeah, I was playing with firecrackers. Put them right next to him. Let's, let's let them all. Let's put them all on fire. Let's save some time. Mm-hmm. I love the detail that he puts into that whole that whole story. You know, could be... Could be a quick thing about how he, I went to it. Like he worked, you can tell he worked backwards. Like you can tell the funny thing was how insane that hearing test was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, how insane the hearing test was. And then he just worked backwards with like, what was the process of 
getting into the hearing test? Is there a box on the form I can check that just says I can't hear? How did I lose my hearing? Right. Why? What was I? What was I using? Firecrackers? How many? Let like he had. There's no like setup punchline classic jokes, but they're they're in there clearly. Like yeah. you can hear. Yeah. We're laughing at it. You can hear people laughing at it. And he just like worked backwards to like tell this whole story. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. anytime you can get a punchline in when you're having a conversation with someone else, it's as part of, the punchline as part of the act out versus the punchline as your narration. That part of the act out makes it more in story form and it yeah. makes it seem more effortless and more like you're just talking. Uh, and I think that's one of the things he does really well is yeah. saves all the punchlines for act just in in an act out situation. And one thing he did, and I noticed a lot of comedians did like do is um, they'll misstate something or they'll say something and then they'll like, then they'll say, no, I don't mean this. And it's a common comedic technique. Yeah. I think it really, we're talking yeah. about how to make it seem like you're just talking up there as opposed to reciting a bit. So it, he's like, I, I lit a firecracker in my ear. And we all, I think that's an expression. We all understand he lit it near his ear, yeah. but not literally in his ear. And he's like, no, I didn't mean literally in my ear. And then he talks about what that would be lighting it in your ear and it's funny and it seems like he just came up with it because like that's something we would do he clearly but did not yeah. right right yeah. these are all writing techniques to make yeah. it so like right. you write something like they off uh, in writing bits they'll be like you write out the sentence of what you're saying and then see what is a different interpretation of this and then that's a that's a joke there because then yeah. you can say i don't mean this and then you make a silly situation yeah. a thing that i definitely do is anytime i i write a joke and i think like oh an audience would think this then just take the thing they're probably thinking and like, because if I'm thinking it, chances are they're going to think that. Just write a joke off of what you think they're going to think and then just like be be ready for, especially if you're trying to do something like on the darker side where like if someone's going to shake their head like, nope, that's not funny. If you stand there with arms folded like, nope, nope, guys, this isn't funny. Don't laugh at this. Shame on you for laughing. Here's another joke about the exact same thing. <laughs> nope, what did I say? Don't laugh. Like if you just keep doing that and playing into what they think. It's such a it's such a great comedy technique. I, like he cl- he's clearly doing that. Chicken musket. Chicken musket. Oh, good. Okay. Uh, oh, and um. Oh, one last thing too. Like he's a a, a grandmaster too at uh. I don't know if this is the right word for it, but the onomatopoeia is like like a blah 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 blah. Like he's so good at just doing fun nonsense yeah. gibberish. Uh. And he's done it I, on all of his albums. There's always a piece of that where he just yells out nonsense gibberish, and it's such a delight. Yeah. Um, there's a whole bit where it's just dogs barking yeah, and translate. Yeah. yeah. Hey! <laughs> yeah, hey! Yeah. Hey! <laughs> yeah. So he's, one of, he's one of the best, hands down. Like, and, and, he, and, and also did it. He's so successful, and yet um, it, he did it all through stand-up. Yeah, um, yeah amazing. Yeah, I heard him on a podcast say like how he like basically he has the right, the perfect amount of fame. Yeah, where he's famous within a two block radius of the place he's performing at. Yeah, <laughs> and then the moment he leaves that two block radius, he's a regular human being again. Yeah, right. Yeah, cool. Um, I think um we are. I think we're set. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Kevin, for joining us. Thank and, uh, you so much for having me. Yeah. Of course, it was a pleasure. And um, uh, just as always, special, special thanks to Salt and Peppa and the <laughs> massive conglomerate for not suing us for the clearly altered, um, wonderful version that we are using as our intro theme, th- theme song. And thank you, Spinderella, mm-hmm. for cutting it up one time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, thank you, Brian Regan and uh, uh, John Mullaney, of course, for 
delivering their comedy genius and letting us talk about it uh, unwittingly anyway and um, that's it let's talk about and thank you all for listening Sets. Let's talk about sets. Let's talk about sets. Sets. Let's talk about 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 sets.